0: Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we say cusses about the greatest (laughs) horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston, and with me is the baddest kid in town, my sister, Mary
1: Johnston. Yeah. Can I be like a bad kid the way like John Waters loves like a gum smacky blonde with a black eye?
0: Um, sure.
1: I don't actually want to be that. That's a terrible thing to be. But... (laughs) he makes it look good um yeah. <laughs> i also love that that's like such a thing you like it's sort of like john waters john waters is the ultimate and i feel like our show is very guilty of this too of being like you know that that very famous trope which is based entirely on my friend marilyn like he's like i knew a person <laughs> a singular person like this once and now she will be in all of my movies
0: when you're when he's such a strong he has such a strong point of view such as you're such a powerful and idiosyncratic author. Your your stuff just becomes like self-referential to itself, or exists within your galaxy. It's it's the artistic and good version of the kind of movies Kevin Smith makes.
1: Yeah, it totally is. Man, either that or like I've never personally been to Baltimore. I would like to go, but I imagine you get off the plane in Baltimore and it's just entirely populated by people from a John Waters movie, and you're <laughs> like, this is fun, but also I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like every so it's, it's, every second lot in a in a neighborhood is
0: just a dump yeah it's it's the thing where it's it's like the way you get off the airplane in new york and it's just like you're in a scorsese movie constantly yeah yeah. yeah. or uh all of new jersey is just an episode of the sopranos
1: yes or the jersey shore depending on what portion you're in
0: right yeah well i mean those gangsters kids aren't but aj <laughs> soprano grows up to be the situation
1: makes sense makes sense
0: well i think we have put off talking about this dire episode so <wechselbody noise> i feel like
1: that was one of our better ones to be honest with you i was actually in the
0: middle in the middle of it i was thinking about we should make a super cut of all of them us see how it changes So today we're talking about Undertaking Pallor, which is one of the, it's not morally objectionable. I was kind of looking back, I was like, have we done an episode this bad? We've done worse episodes, but I was very underwhelmed by this episode.
1: I don't think this episode is worse than the one, which episode I name, I do not remember, but the one about the guy who's like... Who's like, I'm shy, that's why I have to spy on the women in my building. Oh no, now I have to be married for the, to them forever and they're real uggos. I think that was more morally objectionable, but yes. this is pretty bad. It is yes. both artistically bad and also morally bad. <laughs> it's not good.
0: i mean, just to hear your moral angle, okay.
1: This is directed by a man named Michael Thau. Michael Thau is a um, producer and director... Uh, potentially, okay. He's kind of famous for two things. One of which is being um, the son of the famous MGM executive Benny Thau, who basically uh-huh. was famous for um, sort of his calm and gentle demeanor uh, during a time period. This would have been like um, this would have been like the twenties through the 60s, like up until the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Calm and gentle demeanor in a time period where they definitely treated actors and actresses like they were cattle like mm-hmm. he like um uh, he famously got Liz Taylor to sign because she was like i think everyone is basically dog meat but Benny's a pretty good guy so mm-hmm. he was a famous he was a famous person
0: a famous sweet boy
1: right and he worked in mgm for a long time um eventually became uh like a high up exec and you know is is beloved Generally speaking, which probably means he was a real son of a bitch, but we just don't remember it because right, it's the sure, past.
0: Right. Yes. Yes.
1: So, as one can imagine, Michael kind of grew up like on the lot. You can imagine him being like a little boy, like playing with the guns <laughs> on <laughs> the set stick of a and western,
0: hoop amongst the uh, amongst the racist Native <laughs> right, American costumes. Right. His whole
1: his whole childhood is like uh is like one of those things where you go on a Hollywood tour and you just like see a bunch of people in ridiculous costumes like wandering around the mm. back lots, right? Um. But uh, he basically um, did a bunch of odd jobs. Like he was just kind of he like did everything uh, for various Hollywood films. And um, director and producer Richard Donner took a shine to him and promoted him to being an editor, and let him work on um, a bunch of projects like The Goonies, The Lost Boys, the entire Lethal Weapon series. Um, Yeah. And Michael's biggest claim to fame is that um, he did a lot of the restoration work for the original Superman movie um, with uh, Christopher Reeve. And uh, t- there's a whole documentary made about what he did and how he like, fixed it and like saved large portions of it. Um, and then he went on to produce uh, and edit uh, Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut which um, stuck in a bunch more of the director's quote-unquote lost material. So he has he has uh, some accolades behind him. I would not say this is one of them, though. <laughs> uh, moving on to the cast, we have John Glover as simply the Undertaker. Uh, it's not a rule that if people don't have a name, it's a bad sign, but in this case, I think it's fair. Um, he is Bryce Cummings and Scrooge, who's the guy who's trying to, like, muscle in on uh, Bill Murray's uh, job at the beginning. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Lionel Luther uh, in the series Smallville. Oh, yeah. And which is, of course, Lex Luthor's daddy. Mm-hmm.
0: And, right.
1: Daddy. And he's also Daniel Clamp in Gremlins 2, a.k.a. Trump.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically, well, a very, commander in chief. A very yeah. flattering portrayal of Donald Trump. Um, next, we're moving on to, uh, I believe it's his Jason. I believe his last name is pronounced Marsden as mm-hmm. Jess. Um, this person mostly has done vocal work after this. Uh, he is Thackeray Binks in Hocus Pocus, not the hunkalicious human version of of Thackeray, uh, just the voice of the cat. Why they mm-hmm. don't have those people be the same thing, I don't know. But there you go. He's also um, Max in all of the Goofy movies.
0: Goof, true.
1: And he's also uh, Haku in the English dub of Spirited Away.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. He also he also is a, minor, is a minor character in some of the early seasons of Boy Meets World, I think, too.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I bet he had a yeah, butt he's... cut.
0: He became, I, I think he was a little bit of, like, low-key Disney Channel teen heartthrob kind of person. Yeah,
1: or, like, maybe, like, friend of heartthrob.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> heartthrob adjacent.
1: He got to stand next to, oh, man, what's his name? Who's Sean in Boy Meets World?
0: Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know.
1: Ryder Strong. He got to stand yeah. next to Ryder Strong in, like, three scenes, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so then we also have uh, K. Hu Quan. As Josh, um, this is of course short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Data in the Goonies. Um, yeah. my I found this fact about him, and I thought it was really funny. Um, he was talking to his mom while he was shooting uh, Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. in the Temple of Doom, and he informed her that he could not, for the life of him, remember the name George Lucas or Steven Spielberg, so he referred to them as Bearded Man One and Bearded Man Two.
0: I wonder which one. Which one was Bearded Man One? Okay.
1: I assume in the order George Lucas was one and Steven Spielberg was two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we've now that I've plowed through that that uh, that list, what is this episode about?
0: This episode, Undertaking power <laughs> No, no, no. All right, I'm ready. You ready? You ready? I'll give it to you as if it's a commercial in the '90s. Four bad kids with good hearts stumble upon a dark plot in their community. They seek to right the wrongs and dispense justice using handheld camcorders. Cowabunga!
1: <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so this episode, this episode is bad. Um, this episode is bad for reasons that I are not, not complicated or just unexpected ways. I think when you when you hear that there's going to be an episode that's about, that involves kids and child actors and stuff, you're expecting a certain flavor of bad, but I don't think that flavor is the flavor that this episode has. Would you say that's fair, Mary?
1: I would say that's fair. And, you know, actually, I did, I know that you don't like to do this because you like to be unspoiled, but I did read, so people, this is a very polarizing episode. Uh-huh. Most people Love the graphic parts of the episode, which I found almost unbearable. Okay, yeah. So most people like it for that reason. They also like how, like, upsetting the premise is, which is basically that the Undertaker and the the drug the, the pharmacist are in cahoots, and uh, the pharmacist poisons people, and the Undertaker buries them for exorbitant prices, and then they share they split the profits. Mm-hmm. Um. So people like like that because it's like seedy and terrible, and then they all and then there. But then a lot of them say they don't think the kid actors are very good, and I don't think these kid actors are like the best kid actors I've ever seen. They are not what makes it bad to me. Mm-hmm. It's more of a structural issue, I think, and a tone issue. Yeah, and I yeah, don't I think, think that that's the kid's fault.
0: Yeah, no, the 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 kid. Yeah, the child actors are perfectly serviceable as child actors.
1: Um, i mean it's short round for for crap's yeah. sake
0: so do you think does this does this uh episode teach any life lessons or morals it, it should because <laughs> it's about kids
1: yeah, it should that's a very,
0: it's very after school especially
1: it should um <laughs> this is literally what i wrote geez maybe revenge question <laughs> mark
0: <laughs> that's okay i just wrote it's cool to rip on the fat kid
1: yeah um, I mean, like uh, what goes around comes around like clearly we're supposed to have sort of like a we're supposed to have some uh that the punishment for the crime feels yeah, sure. about the fact that the pharmacist gets like boiled in his own like poisonous oil um, right, and, the, and the, the right and the
0: undertaker is killed with his own funny undertaking vac. shot back, yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, it's, this is, I don't think this is, like, a morally vacuous. like, it's not like there is no morality or anything here. It's just kind of like, eh, it doesn't even have the, like, oh, what an ironic twist
1: the fate has before. Structural problems, yes. Yeah, it
0: doesn't even have, like, that sort of, like, beard strokey kind of, you know, baseline TFTC kind of morality.
1: There is one thing I will say about this. There is, there are so many characters and, and relatively speaking, and so many locations, especially for, uh, a Tales from the Crypt, that to me, this felt like it was, like, ten minutes long. It felt very short. And, that yes. it's, and you, like, basically don't know anybody. So I don't even know how they would make this have, like, a tight theme. Because you basically only understand people from, like, a very specific, narrow view of their action. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's why it has such structural problems. Yes. I would imagine yes. this was a pretty expensive episode to make.
0: Just because, yeah, yeah, I mean, child actors probably kind of cheap. Um, I don't think the actors locations. were expensive,
1: but, like, there are tons of locations. There are there are bigger budget effects mm-hmm. for the time period, right?
0: I mean, maybe, I don't know, man. Uh, the the, the people corpse who like, looks really bad. Yeah, yeah, the people who like the way the corpse looks, I feel like it's not really.
1: You know what that corpse looks like? It looks mm. like the very real case of that guy who, um, like, covered uh, that woman who perished, who he was obsessed with with oh, wax. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And, like, kept her in his house forever. Sure. Um, That's what she looks like. I've just made that connection. I need to find the name of that person. Hold on.
0: She's smiling. She's Ooh, smiling. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this episode, uh, I think, clearly falls into the, like, Kids getting in trouble in the eighties, uh, kind of movies that usually also are actually kind of set in the nineteen fifties. Um, I'm talking about movies like The Goonies or like Monster Squad, Stand by Me, um, the first the first part of It. Um, how do you think this stacks up or communicates with those, or puts its own little special stanky sauce on that on that that hot dog?
1: Um. The man's name, by the way, is Carl Van Cossel, is the the dude who um
0: the nut bar with the wax lady.
1: Yeah, desecrated his crush who mm-hmm. hated him yeah. in real life. Um when she not, was not
0: good, not good, not good, not a good guy, kids. Carl don't grow up Van, Van Cossel
1: like, is not a good person. Do not make him your personal hero.
0: Don't be like Carl.
1: Um Well, I think it tries I mean, like when you read about this, you think it's gonna be a dirtier version of Stand By Me, right? Mm-hmm. um yeah. that's what it really should be like i will say i think i think that the ultimate failure of this is that you don't relate or like to any of the children and that is necessary for a stand by me to work like the entire point of stand by me is that you're supposed to see yourself at in one of those children like that the kind of the end credit scene where you find out what like happens to them later right like Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be sort of like childhood in a bottle that you can open up and watch and enjoy again. I right. don't feel I, that from any of this because I don't relate or like any of the kids.
0: Yeah, and and let's be clear: these kids aren't like annoying the way normal kids are. These kids are maybe too realistically like teenagers in the '90s in that they're obsessed with porn and. I mean, okay, Mary. Let, let's run down. What are the characters' traits? There are four. There are four characters in this. What They're, are their traits? They love
1: porn and swearing.
0: And they swear like way too much.
1: And one of but them like, can it, get over his dad dying real quick.
0: Oh no, no, no! I just mean like, what are their gimmicks? Right? There's the one who's short.
1: Oh, 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 oh.
0: There's one who is fat. Fat. And also like wears a big coat, kind of. There's the one in a leather jacket. The and then there's the one who is asian
1: <laughs> yeah the one in on the leather jacket i believe we can refer to as the leonardo he leads
0: yeah yeah he seems to be like he's kind of supposed to be cool but like unlike the goonies where you have like cartoon like where kids like individualized quirks almost become superpowers um in this like i don't even i, I don't even i don't even remember any of the kids names and i don't even think uh wait the fat one is uh is norm is that right
1: Jesse's the one who had, or Jess is the one who has the uh the leather jacket. The leather he's jacket. Jason yeah, Yeah. Norm I think is the fat kid. Obviously, uh uh K Kwan is the Asian kid. Right. I don't know whose wh- name is Josh. Whose name is Josh. I don't know who the other two are. <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah, know.
0: yeah. Right. No, but 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 just to say, like so so and they just kinda swear and they do that thing that the uh I feel like this is not Really, a standard move of film at this time. But the thing where, like, to show that these people are friends, they have to, like, just rip on each other and just be dicks to each other.
1: Yes. The in betweeners syndrome.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. That's oh. more Johnston, John, not even Inside Baseball, but just, like, more Johnston family references. Yeah.
1: The in betweeners, I would say, is not. Uh, if you think The In Betweeners is about realistic friendship, uh, get new friends first of all. Um, yeah, it's entirely just, I think, like cringe comedy take to its like most illogical extreme. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which yeah. is beautiful and interesting in its own right. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, people who are like, oh, it's just how it was. Me and my mates were. I'm like, that's terrible. That's <laughs> terrible news. Your mates shouldn't be actively trying to kill you. Um, <laughs>
0: There's also, um,
1: there, there are some problems. So like, uh, yeah, they, they basically feel like low rent, super bad in this. Yeah. Yes. And that you don't actually like understand any of their interiority or care about them or like understand why they're friends beyond the fact that the fact that they're all like revolted. They'll hang out in the rent. general
0: vicinity and then are welded together by a horrific mystery.
1: That's another Uh, problem. It's too dark. Like, there's a reason Stand By Me is not about one of them going to, like, about them going to see someone's dad who is dead. It's a random corpse.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, the, 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 the Josh's dad, that also.
1: It's too, it's too
0: dark. The way that, the the way that line is delivered is just like, my dad is dead. I, I laughed. I laughed the first time I saw it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You didn't even need to be desensitized.
0: Yeah. No, it's just so bad. Um, But the mystery here kind of reminds me of um, uh, it will come as a surprise to all of our listeners that I was a bit of a nerd growing up. And this is like when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're trying to do a mystery story, but you know, the story has to keep going in one way. So you can't really have like twists and turns. So it's just kind of like you witness, you witness people revealing information you're not supposed to know. Now you have to go get information. Where's the information or, you know, Oh, it's, it's in the desk. You just have the papers. Okay. And now how will you resolve it? You just resolve it and it resolves. And then, oh, there's fighting and now you win. Do you know what I mean? Like, it does. it's not really like a real mystery. It's like it has sort of, it's dressed up like it's a mystery story. But really, you just sort of move from location to location. And it almost doesn't matter what you do. Could you relate to that at all, Mary?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, it's not... Um... I would. I think calling this a mystery would be generous.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but the the way they discover the crime, the way they investigate, the, yeah, that's not really. But the way they investigate, it, it's just kind of no, we're gonna break into this place is, and look for papers, and we th- find the papers. They're right here. You yeah, know.
1: Yeah, I think that we're supposed to. I think it's supposed to feel. Like, it's definitely supposed to feel like the Goonies, right? Mm-hmm. The Stand by Me plus the Goonies, right? Yeah. It does. So I think we just naturally assume because it feels that way that there's supposed to be like a mysterious element to it or like something mm-hmm. to like solve or find. But there isn't. It's just sort of like more bleak and bleak series of events <laughs> happen. And you just like watch these characters kind of like stumble through them. The biggest issue I think I had. So. Number one, a big issue is that these kids aren't likable, and we the story is ultimately not about their friendship, or and it's not particularly fun. That's, like, the first problem, mark against it. Sure. Me. The second mark against it, and this might be a little bit of a surprise to you, I think that this thing could have been saved if it were more supernatural. Like, I think that if the pharmacist and the undertaker were, like, vampires or something, it would sure. have been better because... The whole point, like, to watch yeah, no, no, no. to yeah, watch these kids just see, like, unbelievable, savage <laughs> murder played out by two adults is, like, pretty heavy, but they don't really treat it that way. If it was supernatural, you would understand why this needs to be about children. Like, seeing yeah. stuff being able to, like, be imaginative and in, like, a world of fantasy enough that you can, like, cut through and see moments where that is, like, coming into your real world, you understand why other adults brush it off. It's kind of like the, the novel It is about this and actually is, like, pretty good at that piece of it. There are other parts of it that are not at all good. But, like, it's a key, missing key element here that I think would have fixed this episode on a structural basis. You would at least understand why these are children as opposed to, like, investigative journalists or, like, you know, someone who works Apprentice at a drugstore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Any, anyone. Anyone at all. It's weird that they're kids. And it's because yeah, yeah. it's not supernatural.
0: Yeah, actually, that, 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 that is an excellent take and point. It would also kind of lighten the stakes a little bit because it is weird to basically decide to make something that is the Goonies crossed with Stand By Me and also, let, let's squirt a little blue velvet in there too, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of the blue velvet. Woo! You like knocked the wind out of me with that. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's a reason. Like, I think if you transplanted this story arc into like Erie, Indiana, it mm-hmm. would work, right? Like, yeah. like, two prominent, respectable business people in your community actually are horrible monsters and have, like, a, are, like, running, like, a secret griff. Okay. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Like, you couldn't have him, like, smash the face of that woman. You couldn't have, like, some of the more, uh some of the more yeah, no. velvety elements of it. But, like, that story does work in Indiana or, like, a oh, so yeah, weird, yeah. you know?
0: He- you know, Jason Marsden, I think, is in Erie, Indiana. He's um, what's that guy's name? Dash plus, or the guy, the guy with the oh. plus and the minus on his hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I love okay, Erie
1: Not as much as I love I, So Weird, but only season one <laughs> and two. I don't, I don't mess with Annie.
0: You don't like the replacement. No. You don't like. You don't like how they. Uh, oh, what what is the character in Happy Days that were they replaced or whatever? Anyway, um,
1: I know I don't the, I don't I don't like the season three of Westworld. <laughs> Version you do like so weird where they're you don't like, like
0: bobo fee where they bring where in they're like
1: the make it accessible f- make it cheaper um yeah, yeah. which is what cross cross
0: first. promotion you guys were, we're which, also we also are doing a little west world on space Bros.
1: yeah uh that, that is true for so weird that's why the third season was cuckoo bananas
0: <laughs> no but i i think you're right um if but really if this was if this was Erie, indiana they'd be like space aliens or something right
1: Right, they would be. It would be supernatural, or it would be sci-fi. Like it would be. Yeah. It would be something yes. that makes it a little bit more palatable to watch children experience. Right now, it's just watching children like almost get murdered by adults, which is a tough thing to watch.
0: But it's also funny because they're like unlikable. We say children, but I mean these guys are like, like like early to mid teenagers. I would too. guess it's like not, thirteen, fourteen. Th- yeah, yeah, they're not like little Cub Scouts or anything. No, they? like, no, They're no. kids. They're kids who break into a morgue with a video camera after coming out of a movie that that could only have existed in the fifties. What's the movie called? Or I can't. Or no, they talk about a movie that is like the way movies are in these kinds of shows. Yeah, it's, it's called, like, like it's like the ten foot blood pool from hell. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. like no movie has no, ever.
1: No, it's like um, a, it's like what a uh, Calvin and Hobbes would read as a comic book.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But they come they they come out of that and then are like, you want to see something really messed up.
1: You want to you see bitch. a real dead body? Stand Shit hell.
0: You. Yeah, right. And so they go, they they see the mortician. Do you think it's funny that the mortician, like, hitting the woman's face with a hammer? And, uh, like, at, at that point, actually, I was like, so is he going to have sex with this body? He's, like, talking to her and he hits her with the hammer. And I was like, he's definitely going to fully uh, unzip her in a second.
1: I thought that, too. It was weirdly sexually charged and I did not like it. Um, did not
0: care for it. and then he then he then he cuts and lets all the purulent gas out of her, which well, I think is what people love, but just seems kind of gross and also like not especially pleasing
1: no, I, the whole thing. and like <laughs> actually here's here's the real thing. embalming in real life is upsetting enough. Like mm-hmm. you actually don't have to make up too much stuff about how people are embalmed to make people feel bad about embalming. yeah it's
0: just what. Well, it, but and also, it is a routine and fine thing. Yeah, it's just that, like, yeah, yeah. Be dead bodies creep us out plenty enough without you having to like eat a bag of chips and act like you're gonna have sex with the dead teacher.
1: It felt very hammy. Um, yeah, it yeah. felt like the equivalent of um, it felt like the equivalent of like doctor horror kind of stuff where they're like, and now I'm gonna operate on you with a chainsaw. That's not actually yeah, you are, right. yeah. scary. You're just like, ew, no. <laughs>
0: You're like, dude, a cold speculum is bad enough. Yeah, Thank you.
1: like, like, no, it's just weird that you're so bad and hacky at your job.
0: <laughs> Wait, who are, you t- are you talking to the prof- the medical professional, or the screenwriter? Bam, phone Oh, yeah. But no, but I do like that that the that actually him like <laughs> the mortician being profoundly unprofessional is in fact. Completely secondary to the bad. That is not the bad thing that he is doing here.
1: I did think that that was weird. I did. (laughs) Like, I think the thing we're definitely supposed to be upset by the way he handles. Yeah, no, no, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't say that it's fine. But but that's like just a totally extra thing. Like his plan. His plan has nothing to do with like getting revenge on those people or giving him bodies for his sick fantasies. No, he's just, he just also, he he's, just he's a, also he's a, is murdering people. His
1: accessory to murder is actually his crime. It's totally fine that he's, like, smashing people's bones to make them smile. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not saying that, but, yeah. it's
1: In the, in the, <laughs> in the moral judgment of this, we're supposed to be upset by it, but it doesn't actually connect or matter yeah, right. with his actual crime. In fact, it might be even more scary if it is just business.
0: And yeah, maybe, yes. and
1: then maybe you could have kind of like the disillusion of children w- w- watching adults, you know, mm-hmm. kind of be their greedy, horrible selves.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the problem is that these teenagers are kind of just too realistic? <laughs> They're just like selfish, selfish little shits who say swears and like cause cause trouble. Is that the problem?
1: <laughs> are the kids the problem?
0: No, no, I just mean like, do you think the kid, the kids being Unrelatable was just because they're too much like real teenagers, or they are just, just, you know, just kind of suck? Maybe
1: I feel like they should be more relatable. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I mean, like Stephen King has to be one of the most weird people alive, right? But he can consistently churn out a cookie cutter, archetypal child that will pull at your heartstrings at least a little bit. You know, like That's what I mean.
0: Maybe that, maybe that kid is made up and fake. Maybe these kids are too real. It's too real for us.
1: Maybe. I don't know. No, I don't think it is. I think these kids are just not actual people.
0: Nobody it's, it's in good. this is
1: actual people.
0: How good of you, Mary, to bring up Stephen King, though? Because this this moves us into another point I would like to speak about here. May. Which is that, which is mate, right. Which is Stephen King, but also Tales tell, tell from the Crypt, where this is, again, one of those things that is solidly placed in the modern era because there are like, you know, handheld video cameras that kids have access to. And they make reference to the predator, but also they talk, they also they dress or at least one of the kids kind of dresses like a fifties greaser. And they, uh, and you know, they, they live in like this sort of idyllic Mayberry sort of t- look in town where you can like walk to the drugstore and stuff. And they seem to... Like, don't to, you just
1: know that drugstore has a soda fountain? It does.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Those guys those guys are also making milkshakes in addition to dispensing asthma yeah. poison.
1: They're making, like, um, egg creams, too, because you know this is the East Coast. Right. Actually, I think there are and, palm trees in it, so I suspect it's L.A., but who knows?
0: And I'm trying to delicately sneak up on this point, but they also have this thing where they're, where they're American teenagers who seem to exist in a pop culture that is completely untouched by African-American people. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We're like, just yeah. like, like this was the, this was the nineties. Um, like
1: rap is King. Yeah, you're right. Right,
0: Of course. And, and like, and, and if you're like, like trou- trouble, making little JDs, you're not, you're not acting like you're, you're backup dancers in uh, West side story, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. It is weird. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lost in time episode for right, sure. Right, right, right. I, I think it's yeah. because they're trying to bite on like that Stephen King style.
0: Yes. Which yes. Stephen King or,
1: or, or, also is one of those places where he's like, there's never been a black person in Maine.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, oh, no, there exactly. is always
1: one black person in Maine.
0: <laughs> and he's, usually he is magical. <laughs> sometimes he's
1: magical or sometimes he's very much a side character to the character that is me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, they say right what you know. So.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> cocaine? Is that what he wrote? In, in some cases, yes.
0: That's what ma- Maximum Overdrive, right?
1: Maximum Overdrive and Tommyknockers, for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. It, it, it is funny to me that the, um, the the two pillars of this community, right, a, a drugstore owner, a pharmacist, and a little independent rinky-dink mortician are both jobs that in the 50s, I, I assume... Um, would have been like made them big shot you know pillars professional you know yeah they probably would have, been, they probably would have had the
1: nicest houses in the on their block yeah right, for sure right
0: right and like you know and the doctor who makes house calls and the one lawyer and all that kind of stuff um
1: the businessman who owns the town and you're like is that a thing <laughs> i've lived in small towns before i wasn't aware of a person who quote-unquote owned my town
0: yeah, usually that guy, like, owns, like, a lumber mill or something. <laughs> that guy's just the guy who can fire everyone's dad. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's much darker than that. It's not – the concept uh, of, yes. of potter is not yeah, –
0: just, just, Yeah, just owning the town, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, what's funny is both, pharma- both being, like, a small pharmacist and being a small mortician are jobs that kind of don't really – they do exist but are very much ravaged by the sort of, like – corporate conglomeration of American society now. And I just thought that was kind of a funny thing to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that what they're trying to maybe get at is sort of like – Sort of like you would never get – so the the, the pharmacist um, is is a character actor. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. But he's also – he's the type of person and, in fact, is the person who is a grandparent on 7th Heaven. Like he's very – he would fit in in the Andy Griffith show. You know, like he's mm-hmm. like sure. kind of like crackly and warm. Um, so I think that they're trying to maybe suggest that like these are people that you trust – to be upstanding oh, members yeah. and, like, take care of you and, like, you know, kind of guide your community and be respectful and, like, look what piece of shit they are. Um, yeah,
0: this 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 is kind of the, like, we, we have reason to suspect there are ghouls at highest levels of City Hall. Yeah. Yeah. These, yeah.
1: Or, like, or maybe, like, the, you know, um, the people you trust, the American dream is not to be trusted. Small towns are actually, like, getting into some, like, Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet stuff right right yeah or stephen king actually for that matter he he writes about how like you know small idyllic towns in maine cover up terrible dark secrets the issue is that like definitely if anybody knew this was going on like those people would be fired and sent to prison (laughs) like yeah it's not it's not as effective because there's you don't really get a sense that there's a cover-up so much as this is just secret crime
0: yeah yes a secret crime that the guys are real sloppy about and are willing to turn on each other and kill each other in a moment it's the it's the whole crooks are dumb thing yeah
1: um yeah and gross i kept waiting for there to be a gross scene in the pharmacy too or like blowing mm-hmm. their nose into the pills or something i don't know but <laughs> it didn't happen no
0: no no no, yeah this this definitely has that sub- suburban horror the conformity normalcy rotten underneath you know underneath that only some people can see um do you think it seems like in in horror uh usually the i feel like with of course notable exceptions there's a lot of kind of very conservative morality there's a lot of like hearkening back to an earlier safer time hp lovecraft (laughs) noted racist and friend of the show uh seemed to always prefer you know the time back when there were regular old Anglo saxons before all these (laughs) <laughs> Portuguese and Greeks clogged up the works. You know, um, uh, Stephen King writes about surely his childhood and the past. It feels like now uh, we're we're in a big kind of '80s Renaissance as people my age become the generation that gets pandered to, and you know, but with your with your Stranger Things and your multiple Ghostbusters reboots, mm-hmm. it seems like it seems like there's a distinct piece of the horror pie that harkens back to a safer, older more stable dare I say, whiter time <laughs> and and it's just, it's, it's kind of weird and distasteful.
1: Yeah, I mean I think um, Freud would of course suggest that y- you need n- like nostalgia is a key element of the uncanny, which is horror right? Mm-hmm. What, sure. the, the thing that disturbs you and you can't quite put your finger on it, but it's because it it harkens back to some childhood trauma that you had, and that's why you can't, like, you know, look at butterflies or whatever. Um, So I think that that's, like, definitely a thing, and because mainstream media has and continues to, to some degree, to a lot of degree, um, pander to just white people, I think that potentially is what you're picking up on. Um, I think that uh, there is, like, sort of... um, there is sort of like this tricky thing and, and not all horror films fall into it for sure and you can kind of like avoid it I think the Duck is an excellent excellent subversion of this which is um, that part of it has to accept the fact that there was a concept of safety at one time that is now lost and that you are scrambling to regain against impossible odds like all mm-hmm. haunted house movies are about that families move into a house that they should trust right? That a house that's supposed to protect you and instead they are betrayed because it holds horrible secrets and uh, venture sure. spirits, right? And yeah. so you have like, and and at one point this wasn't their problem because they didn't live there but now mm-hmm. they do so now it is their problem, right? So I think that that is kind of like a another place where nostalgia and, and a, a wish for safety come in, mm-hmm. especially for childhood. Like, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan, so people who are probably can like chart out why I'm wrong about this. But I think that to some degree, Stephen King, with his stories about children, um, kind of harken back to the fact that both there is something special and wonderful about being a child and like the naivety that you bring to situations um, and the wonder of the world, but also kind of the sadness and melancholy of childhood, which is realizing that the world is actually not like a safe and magical place that you are destined to become uh, a, a, a millionaire if not billionaire who has to become addicted to cocaine to feel anything. Right. Like that's sure. right. That's kind of like, he kind of he the corrupting forces are like coming in at you, and they've always been there. Even when you were a kid, you just didn't recognize it, right? So, mm-hmm. I think that's another element where you have kind of this like dichotomy of like safety versus danger, and the danger actually was always there. You just weren't aware of it, um, which I think mm-hmm. is what this is supposed to be like, and that's sure. why it kind of like draws on these weird uh, Mayberry um, comparisons. Um, what's weird about it is it's sort of then like Lost in time and no one relates to this Because this was in fact no one's childhood Right, right Also, they should have just said it in the past like, yeah. like The reason these things work Also are because you're reflecting The people watching its childhood So setting it in the 90s When it comes out means that You're not speaking to your Like key demographic Which is like 20 to 30s, right?
0: yeah I, yeah although i think also i think part, part, some of that might be the source material itself because i'm sure that when they put this out they're like this will be like the goonies which was contempt you know which was contemporary to it so
1: which was contemporary they, but is also they, they mostly just, about just, a pirate ship so right, but
0: i'm just saying they were just stuck with i, I think i bet i bet this is again one of the weird like tftc uh weird uncanny historic of oh, drifting time kind of things yeah
1: yeah. I just think it doesn't... It, I, I suspect what you're getting at also doesn't work because they're not proper properly cranking the nostalgia lever to the yeah, right degree. Yeah. Which would also mean that you needed likable characters that you cared about.
0: hmm Yeah, so and maybe you, fewer of them? Why are there four of them?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, you need a gang. I get that you need a gang. And they need somebody
0: to talk to, but, like...
1: Well, and also... In theory, you need enough kids that everyone can relate. Like it has an unbelievable amount of kids, but it's so like you'd be like, "Are you the introspective future billionaire author?" Well, then you're that one. Are you? Are you the fat kid, but sensitive and will turn into a total smoke show, aka John Ritter? Then you're that one. Are you? Are, are you the wise? Are you the wise ass? You're that one. Are you? A woman, you're that one. Are you the girl? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, I I think that that's why, right? You gotta like cast this like broad net so that you can identify. But like, none of them are that different. There is one kid. It is, I believe, Norm, the fat kid, who says the line through, like, during the their, like, kind of, like, confessional period where they're like, we're going to go catch him because he killed Josh's dad. And he's like, a piece of shit wearing snakeskin shoes. I like that. That was the only <laughs> line of dialogue that I was like, yep, I like that. That's funny.
0: How about this? Like, so, so, right, Norm gets to see them talking, but doesn't realize that it's the pharmacist who then later is like, oh, Norm, I have some deliveries for you to make. Norm, this a is... human
1: I know by name. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah, it's... <laughs> or how about when the pharmacist says something about like why are you pointing your video camera in my store where there are so many pretty girls out here and you're like "Mm." yep
1: when the pharmacist is like i'm a i'm a certified creep
0: (laughs) i have a 10 year old chained up in my basement
1: (laughs) i actually like it when the kids steal the porns
0: yeah oh look it's fine it just kind of icked me out just because you're like dude you only got like 25 minutes to tell this story we don't need what, what, porn again? More porn? <laughs> Multiple porn
1: scenes. There are two or three scenes like this.
0: Hey, yeah. they're just, they're just they're just red blooded American teenagers. They're just, just horny just children. They're just porning it up. Porn.
1: They're just they're just they're just children who really really like to get boners. It's fine. What's uncomfortable about watching that? Adult. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I um I did think it was also that, I guess just I. As something that's pitched to presumably kind of middle America, the idea of the horror in suburbia and the betrayal of safety uh, are themes that I understand. But it does seem funny to me. This makes me think about—I um, read an article about uh, the villages that, that that huge retirement development in Florida. That's like you know one oh. of the top 10 biggest cities in the state
1: yeah where and it's like uh people... where it's like it's like uh americatown usa
0: right right it's like, and 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 how the people there and they interviewed people there and who knows you know how representative or whatever um but they talked they interviewed people who are like yeah we got to be careful like going around armed because they're afraid that you know illegal immigrants could like i don't know like jump out of a jump out of a daiquiri they're drinking or something <laughs> jump out of a long island iced tea and
1: a non-member, uh, a or... non-member might use my pool, and you're like, you realize right, right, right. that and this is so, like we... very racist, like,
0: <laughs> right, like yeah.
1: extraordinarily racist, yeah.
0: Or there's just this idea that, that you know, kind of, there, there are people, the people who seem to feel the most unsafe are in many ways the safest, <laughs> uh, or um, you kind of see this with these protests um, that are happening now with the with the COVID pandemic, where there are people who are. Yeah, who, you know, and if you're conspiratorially minded, this could be all Astroturk or whatever, but like people who own like jet ski dealerships who wanna like yell at state troopers and march around with their AR-15s. Um, where Whereas there are also people who work in slaughterhouses and are like drop, you know, just like falling over on the line because they can't breathe from COVID infections, uh, attempting to process, you know, the foods that we need to eat um, and you're kind of like, so which of those people is more insecure? Which of those people should be more angry at the gov- at the yeah. government? Yeah. We, we've drifted off course. But I think that's just because there's not a lot here, folks. It's got structural problems. The kids suck. I think the,
1: uh, the Undertaker is the, yeah, the, the
0: only actual good performance. I do like how gleefully evil he is and how I like all the ostentatious eating he does around the bodies. That's that. Makes me think of the uh, the one we did. You like how I can never remember the names of any of the episodes we've done already? Um, the one with, with the Doctor such Brothers.
1: Sparkling. Um, oh, I, I feel like I actually do remember that. that uh, ap- Abracadaver! cadaver Oh, Abracadaver! So like yeah, yeah.
0: But, like, but like we're, we love this idea of, like, guys in morgues or being around dead bodies being like, yep, gotta eat my sandwich. Ooh, this ooh, is very <laughs> normal to me. I yeah. might as
1: well be sitting on an I-beam building the Empire State yeah. Building. <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm gonna use the laser to light my cigarette. You know, that kind
1: of <laughs> <laughs> This dead person can hold my chips. Yeah, it's kind of like... Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's
0: like how the way that... People who work on car lines just always using the tools inappropriately.
1: I'm going to eat my salad with this wrench. <laughs> well, okay. you're, you're I mean, I mean, you're a doctor. How many times do you use a dead body to eat food?
0: Oh, it's, it depends on if we have one. If there's one handy, I mean... <laughs>
1: It's like how I always use an old, as, a, as a, tech, a person in tech, I always use an old laptop to clamp food and then cram it into my mouth. Yeah.
0: yeah you know, exactly. <laughs> Let me put it like this. We don't always have a body, but whenever you do have a body, you always use it.
1: Uh, well, It's like, we don't always have a body, but when we have a body, we actually have a buffet table. You see what I'm saying? You following me?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Do you have anything else you want to say about this dog?
1: Not a damn thing. All right. I do have a rating.
0: Well, I, me too. But I think in the spirit of the 1950s, I think it's men first here.
1: Go first. Also, this will okay. clarify the rating scale for me again, which I don't remember. How low is too low? I don't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I felt so this one. I I wanted to give it low, but then I thought about how we have seen. This is technically and structurally bad. I don't know that it's morally objectionable. You know, like your Corman's Calamities or your um, whatever that guy, the one with the guy in the, the rape juice. Yeah. And so I was like, what's the basement? Is it one? Is it zero? It's not. This isn't like harmful to watch. So I I just never want to see it again. So I gave it a one. But then I gave it a half point because I did like the way the mortician was eating that bag of chips. So I gave it one and a half skin mags. Shit. Damn it.
1: <laughs> um once again, is the lowest we can go zero or one?
0: Uh, I think the lowest we go is zero.
1: Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs>
0: You're like, are you the commissioner of the rating system?
1: I don't know, I think it's, I, whoever's more confused at the time, I think, is the, is the no, not yeah, commissioner, the other one Are you afraid you'll,
0: you'll like give it a zero and be like, nope, there's a flag on the rating, Sorry, invalid sorry. rating. Sorry, invalid
1: rating, I guess now gets to be president of the United States hanging shads.
0: Um, we'll That's right, yeah.
1: I would like to give this episode a one out of five snakeskin shoes.
0: (laughs) Oh, sad. Not a full pair. No. Just a single snakeskin shoe. You got to
1: cram both feet into one snakeskin shoe. Better make it big. And have small it would be feet. funnier
0: if you had a fractional rating. <laughs> yeah, half a snake skin shoe, front half or back half. Uh,
1: you convinced me. It's not. I, I do. I think that this is distasteful. Maybe not morally objectionable. Yeah, I right, am right. sad that the children had to be exposed to this. Although probably, you know, they're Hollywood kids, so who even knows? Yeah, these kids are probably things. all
0: like twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, probably. Twenty-five playing fourteen. You know.
1: This is we're in a little rough patch. I will say
0: yeah well Mary you don't you don't have to worry too much strap on your lobster bib because next time we have something a bit more indulgent and delicious next time morning mess
1: potentially we'll take a bite out of crime as always thank you for listening to Crypt Creepers please check us out on Apple Podcasts Stitcher Spotify whatever way you listen to podcasts we are there um and while you're there, please subscribe, rate, or leave us a review, little love note, little mash note, we'd love it. Um be sure to visit us on our website, dot com slash crypt dash creepers. Um, to see back episodes and also find other excellent podcasts.
0: Till next time, kiddies. Let's hope the stunt coordinator was on point. Cause if those kids fell out of that window well, lights, camera, traction! <laughs> Outrageous?